0: Good morning, Counselor. Please, come in. Have a seat. What is your clerk writing? Your deposition. Are you aware of your rights? Yes, thank you. I know my rights, Counselor, but I know nothing at all about what happened the other night. Nothing at all? How can that be? The incident happened within 50 yards of your shop. Nothing at all. I am a barber, Counselor, and by heavens, I have customers to keep me busy from morning till night. There are three of us in the shop. Not one of us three has the time to stop and scratch his head. And I least of all. What with lathering and shaving this face and that, combing the hair on so many heads, how can I be expected to pay attention to other people's affairs? But the morning that I read about it in the paper, why well, I stood there with my mouth wide open and I said, well, that was the way it was bound to end. Why did you say that? Why? Because it had ended that way. A fatal affair. The poor husband. And you were friends. The husband, Mr. Nash, used to come very often to your barber shop, didn't he? Very often? Only once in a while, Counselor. A barbershop is a public place, like a cafe or a beer saloon. So he would sit and loaf about for half an hour, an hour, sometimes longer. He annoyed me. I don't deny it. There was a good deal of talk on his part. What sort of talk? What? Why, one day he would say this, and the next day he would say that. And by harping on her long enough, he made me believe his wife oh, was- Oh, so you're saying there was she, the wife, who was going As to- As I said, I know nothing about it, Counselor. Nothing at all. But it is quite true that every time the husband, Mr. Nash, came and sat down in the shop, I used to say to myself, he must know if I can figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Then according to you, this Mr. Nash was about Oh, I to- won't put my finger in the pie. As they say, judge not lest ye be judged. <laughs> Indeed. Please continue. Well, one morning, or was it in the evening? I don't exactly remember. Yes, now it comes back to me. It was in the morning. I saw Mr. Nash pass by, scowling and with his head bent down. I was in the doorway, sharpening a razor. I gave him a nod and, out of courtesy, asked him how he was. He came up to me, looked me straight in the face, and answered, Haven't I told you that sooner or later I should do something crazy? And I shall, my friend. Yes, I shall. So he had told you before. How did he happen to tell you? Oh, you know how words slip out of the mouth at certain moments. Who pays attention to them? What had he been talking about? He had been talking about his wife, of course, Counselor. Someone must have put a flea in his ear. It needs only half a word to ruin a poor devil's peace of mind, and that is how a man lets such words slip out of his mouth as, sooner or later I shall do something crazy. That is all. I know nothing else about it. And what was your reply? I could not say to him, go ahead and do it, could I? As it was, he went off shaking his head, and what idea he kept brooding over after that, who knows. One can't see inside another man's brain, But sometimes when I heard him freeing his mind... that he used to free his mind to you. Why yes, to me and maybe to others besides. You see, one bears things and bears things and bears things, and at last, rather than burst with them, one frees one's mind to the first person who comes along. But you did not just happen along, you used to go to his house. Only as a barber, counselor. Only when Mr. Nash used to send for me. And very likely you sometimes went there when you knew that he was not at home. On purpose? No, never. Very often I would get there too late though I tried my best. And when you found his wife alone, you allowed yourself to... Oh, slander, Counselor. Who dares say such a thing? Does she say so? When I found myself face-to-face with that pretty woman, you know how it is. It may be that once or twice a few words escaped me in jest. Passion leads men into all sorts of folly. Passion? I am well on in my forties, Counselor, and many a gray hair besides. Many a folly I committed in my youth, like everyone else. But now, at my age? Besides, with a woman like that, I was no blind man, even if Mr. Nash was. I knew that that fellow, poor fool, he paid dearly for her hand. Still, he knew that another had turned her head. That woman is capable of anything. Let me read you what you said to her. You started by saying- Yes, Counselor, I remember now exactly what I said. I'll spoil your sport, I told her, if it sends me to the gallows. But I was speaking in the name of the husband. In the heat of the moment, one falls into a part. But your words became troublesome for the wife, and not words alone, but gifts besides, a ring, a pair of earrings. That is true. I won't deny it. There are times when a man of honor loses his head. It was an extravagance, but I offered them in hopes of appeasing the situation, to keep the poor husband from doing something crazy. And the husband knew nothing of all this. Was I to boast to him of what I had done? A friend either gives his services, or else he doesn't. That's the way I understand it. But then the wife answered you, keep to yourself. I don't want your gifts. Was she going to tell her husband? Um, Counselor, no. Since you must be told, I don't know how I managed to control myself. I had so completely put myself in the place of the husband, I could have strangled her with my own hands. I could have done that very same crazy thing that Mr. Nash threatened to do. Hmm. You began here by protesting that you knew nothing at all about this matter, and yet you know so many things. You want to drag me over a precipice, Counselor? I begin to understand. Men who are blinded by passion patch and walk over precipices on their own feet. But then do you imagine that I, myself... I imagine nothing. It is evident that you were the instigator, and perhaps something more than the instigator, too. What? That's slander, Counselor. Slander! On the evening in question, you were seen talking with the husband until quite late at the corner of the adjoining street. Someone saw? Who saw me there? Who saw us, Counselor? You were seen. <sighs> This is what I have brought on myself, just because I wanted to do a kind act. You stood at the street corner, and then you— It was like this. I had gone with him as far as that, but when I saw that it was no use to try to calm him— it was striking eleven, the streets were deserted— I started to leave him indignantly, without a parting word. And what next? What next? Why, you know how it is at night, under the lamplight. You see, and then you don't see. That's the way it is. I turned around. Mr. Nash had disappeared through the doorway of his home just by the entrance to the little lane. I heard a scream. Then nothing more. You ran forward. That would be quite natural. Yes. And I hesitated on the threshold. The hallway was so dark. And then you went in. Oh, no, no, Counselor. I heard in the confusion of the moment two people struggling. I could hear them gasping. I ran off to call for help. And I... I think that Mr. Nash meant to kill his wife as he hinted he would, but the wretched woman got to him first. She must have done it, then ran and shut herself up in her room, just like it said in the papers. Uh, Nash probably would have been wiser to have killed her first, if I dare say. Evil weeds had better be torn up by the roots. Are we finished here, Counselor? Just about finished. The clerk will read your deposition back to you now, and you will sign it. Oh, okay. What harm can come from it? I have done nothing wrong. One other question. How do you suppose the mortal wounds on Mr. Nash's body came to be made with a razor? Where are you trying to lead me with your question? The facts speak clearly enough. The razor found at the scene is the very same as those you use in your work. You were very prudent, that is evident. Still, you must have said to yourself, what I cannot have, he cannot have either. As I said, there are times when a man of honor loses his head. I have done nothing wrong. It is well known how passion maddens the heart and the brain. A man in that state is no longer himself. He just bears things and bears things, until he bursts with them, as you say. That is the truth, Counselor. I am no longer myself. That wretched woman bewitched me. The more she said, keep to yourself, I don't want your gifts, the more I felt myself going mad from head to foot, as if she was pouring fire over me. I did not want another man to suffer in my place, trapped, protecting her. So yes, I was the one who who killed him. It should have been her. You can have me sent to the gallows if you must. But at least the husband is free now. Clerk, call the bailiff. we hope you've enjoyed the deposition adapted from the 1907 short story by luigi capuana featuring john quinn as the barber and your host as the lawyer be sure to join us next time for more tales from the past present and future in the meantime visit us on our website at auditorychronicles.com for updates previous episodes and the links to our social media feeds For Auditory Chronicles, this is JT. Thanks for listening.